What up, what up, IBL gang? I love that intro. It's your boy, the stuntman, Andrew Stewart's joined, as always, by the laser beam, Chris Lazar. Chris, how are you doing? It feels like we haven't had one of these in a long time. It seems like, weird. Doesn't it feel that way? Doesn't it feel like it's been a long time since we've done a pod? It does. It's only been a week. But it feels like it's been longer than that. I think it's because we were so diligent on doing it early last week mm-hmm. and then have been hit with just awful call after awful call. I feel like Angel Hernandez has been calling our life the last few days, juggling, getting into this podcasting room. Um, but we are here and we are excited to bring you an episode in studio Next week, maybe even the week after, might be weird because I'm doing some traveling and all of that. But if we have to do them over the phone, we'll make adjustments as we go. First and foremost, congratulations are in order. That's right. Congratulations to the Welland Jackfish for winning the pennant. Chris, how are you feeling? How are the people of Welland feeling? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been one of those things where we've kind of known for a while that Welland was probably going to win the pennant. They they had that hiccup not too long ago where we had to give them a little bit of a pep talk last week. We were worried about, about them. vibes. Yeah. Um, and to their credit, they handled their business this week. They managed to clinch the pennant a week in advance of the season being over. A pair of wins against the Barry Baycats, beating Frank Garces finally, which is big for them that they were able to do that. Huge. Uh, shout out Jake Harford. Outstanding start on Sunday. Um buddy of mine from from last year when I played with them uh really happy for him to be able to do that uh Ben Abram throwing Thursday starting Thursday going like seven plus innings and then coming out of the bullpen on Sunday um that kind of just but that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with how they have put such an emphasis on the regular season they've put such an emphasis on winning this pennant and that just proves it more than anything else um Barry was kind of just doing the same thing they've done all year, just using using different guys in different spots, just trying to get guys innings, get guys experience, things like that. Welland was clearly going for it, and they were rewarded with the number one seed. Now they're going to avoid Barry and Kitchener in the first in the second round at least. Uh, they get their they get the easiest matchup in the first round. They're going to take on Brantford, although that matchup's a little bit more interesting than meets the eye, but. Again, Welland should be able to handle their business there. We'll get into all of that later on. But, yeah, no, they. Uh, it's also big to be able to win it a week in advance because now you can go into the last weekend. You don't got to worry about anything. You can just get guys innings, guys who haven't pitched in a while that we've talked about for some time. I'm sure they're going to get a decent amount of innings this weekend and be able to set up your rotation without having to worry about a potential tiebreaker game or anything like that, having to win on the last day of the season and any of that stuff. So, um. I know that they're really, really proud of the accomplishment, as they should be. It's it's hard to win the pennant um, in the IBL, so congratulations to them. And again, as they've as they've been talking about all season, is this isn't the final goal. This was one of the goals, but the final goal is to lift that trophy at the end of the year. So if they don't do that, this isn't going to matter anymore. Uh, and they're very well aware of that, and they're prepared. So should be interesting to see uh, what happens going into the postseason. Uh, getting the vibes back on track. And I'm just looking at the standings, and they're about to catch a stray, so I apologize. But damn, I was not expecting to see the Hamilton Cardinals just completely free fall from oblivion um, after what looked like they were going to be uh, a powerhouse, a top three, top four powerhouse the whole year. Uh, by just they're 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 free falling, Tom Petty style. Um, brutal. We're gonna get into a little bit more of Welland and their success this season in just a little bit. But first, let's start with something that Chris and a team of his and and some friends of mine have worked on. Um, you guys put together a documentary on the conductor. Jonathan Salazzo. Of course, for those of you who don't know, the legendary third baseman of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What was the premise and reason behind this doc and and where can fans and what can fans expect, Chris? What are we what are we in for? 
Yeah, friend of the show, John Salazzo. We friend know of he's the a show. Fan of, uh, he's a fan of us. He's a fan of the pod. Um, fan of everything we do. So uh, shout out to, to John. Yeah, the way this started, and Andrew, you, you know this, obviously. Um, it actually started as a class assignment. Uh, we were given an assignment where we have to go out, cover an athlete, cover their story, uh, put together a mini feature documentary, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, whatever the case, and present it to the class. And when we were given this, uh, this assignment, I thought, why just do this for an in-class assignment? Why not use this as an opportunity to promote one of the good guys in the league and also promote the league itself? Obviously, all year I've been trying to find different ways to create content for the league and be around the league and and uh, and put it on the map and everything like that, whether it's hopping into the broadcast booth and doing different games, whether it's this podcast, whether it's the power rankings, any of that stuff, uh, just trying to give people more content, give people more more inside knowledge on the IBL, which is also how we came up with the name of the show. Um, and yeah, so I reached out to John um, and he, I knew he was a big personality. Uh, obviously, I've known him for, for quite a while and I was pretty sure he was going to do it and he was on board from the first moment. And I'll tell you what, without him and his, his buy-in to this, we wouldn't have been able to put together as good of a documentary as we did. I thought we did an outstanding job. Shout out to the crew. It's not, I know it's, it's posted as my documentary. It's not my documentary. Um, I, my name is on there just because the people in the league know my name, but it was a team effort. All five of us, uh, did an outstanding job, put in a lot of work to make this happen. And so I want to give a quick shout out to Thomas Sherratt, Spencer Kloss, Shaylin Winters, and Jacob White. And those those four made this all possible. Their efforts were great. Thomas sat at Christie Pitts for two full games and recorded John for basically just had basically shadowed him for two full games. Uh, so he was a huge trooper for us. Spencer did a ride along with John on the way to the game on Wednesday, where we have some of those clips as well. Uh, Jacob White was kind of helping out all over the place. Shaylin was uh, Shaylin put together the trailer. Spencer also edited the actual uh, documentary itself. So uh, shout out to my classmates. They were outstanding. Uh, lots of great work was done by everybody uh, to make this involved. It was not, I don't want to sit here and take all the credit because it really wasn't me. I just had the connection to John and had the idea of the story to, to, to put it together. So uh, thanks to those four for, for all of their efforts. And I'm really excited for people to see it. The trailer is up on the Toronto Maple Leafs YouTube page. And the doc itself is coming out on Friday on the same Toronto Maple Leafs YouTube page. You'll be able to find it on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere uh, that the Toronto Maple Leafs post. They'll have it up there. I also had the chance to sit down with Thomas West of uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs media team. He does the, the Leafs weekly show. Uh, and we kind of talked about the podcast a little bit. So go ahead and check that out as well if you want a little bit of a primer on how we were able to pull back the curtain and, and some of the things we were able to do. But I'm really excited for everybody to see what the final product looks like. Well, it's my understanding that, and I, I when I say my understanding, I have had a sneak peek of the doc. And John is a natural yeah. on camera. Mm -hmm. This guy is, when you say a beauty, I mean, he's just... He, he's he, a beauty. He's man. an all-star. Yeah. Not only can he hit bombs that almost take minor league kids' heads off in opposing, you know, opposing fields, but he is a natural on camera. He's well spoken. I don't know. I think it's a it's a fantastic doc. It's a really great insight into what we keep preaching and what sometimes people forget about the whole working man's league. If there was a slogan for the IBL, that's what it should be, you know? The Working Man's League. I, yeah, and and his story in particular is a really, it's an engaging one, it's entertaining, and it's, it's a for me, a clear-cut example of just that. The Nobody exemplifies what the core of the IBL is more than John Salazzo. Damn. He and especially now in the league with with where he's at in his life and and the things that he does to be ready to to keep playing and things like that. So, uh, yeah, really excited. Honestly, like the access we had was unbelievable. It's um, when it comes. I'm not saying the production quality is of Sportsnet. We just simply don't have the resources to make that happen. But in terms of access, 
you'll be hard pressed to find a documentary that had as much access as we did. We were able to get videos of him at work. We got videos of him at home making breakfast. We had videos in his backyard. We he had the keys to the locker room, so we were able to get in there early on Sunday and film interview with him in the locker room of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We followed him around all over the place. Like the access was outstanding. And again, shout out to John. He never had an issue with anything we did. He was very accommodating with everything. He actually gave us some ideas of things that that we might find interesting. We have a, a piece, a little bit of a piece in there on his gym teacher, which worked out. Um, his gym teacher was one of his most influential people in his high school years. Came to watch him play at Christie Pitts. It's the first time he's seen him since graduation day in high school, and it was the same day that we were coming into film. So meant to be. Everything just worked out perfectly. His parents were up there at the top of the hill as well. We were able to talk to them for a bit. So, yeah, he was he was out he was awesome with all of all of the stuff. Again, he's never met Spencer before, and he let Spencer hop in his car and or in his truck and drive with him to Christie Pitts before a game and have a camera in his face the entire time, and he had no problem with it. So he was great. Um, yeah, really excited to for for everybody to see it and excited to see what the reactions are like going into the weekend. Well, I think it'll be a positive reaction, and I know fans of this show, this podcast, will certainly enjoy a more in-depth look into inside the IBL, or inside Intercounty, if you will, and a video portion. I mean, hey, that's... Do they see your face on camera? No. You hear my voice for about 10 seconds. That's about it. That's shocking because we hear your voice for about forty-five <laughs> minutes of an hour-long episode well, here. Well, it's because it's not my doc. It's not. It's not. It's not about me, right? Like that's not. Well, this. This isn't even necessarily about me. This is about the league. But you heard it here first, folks. Inside Inner County no, is all about Chris no, Lazar. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, but like, listen. It's a podcast. What am I doing if I'm not talking? Oh, it's great. And and the doc is the doc is awesome. I'm I'm excited. Um, what was your what was your favorite story coming out of the dock? I mean, without spoiling spoiling anything, do you have like a behind the scenes story that you can you can think of? Yeah, a couple I guess there's like a couple little things. I thought the gym teacher thing was great. I thought that was awesome that well, we you guys lucked that. out into that. That's I know, crazy. right? What are what are the chances of that? Right? Like <laughs> Slim. A, a first time a re, a, essentially a high school reunion, thirteen years in the making, hasn't seen him in that long. And we have them there the same day. Wasn't communicated to you ahead of time. And well, it, it, John told me that morning that he was coming. But yeah, in advance of that, John found out that he was coming the day before we were coming to film. And we right. had told him that we were coming to film like a week in advance. He didn't reach out to him. He didn't ask him to come to that game. He just happened to be there on the same day. So it was it was absolutely perfect the way that that worked out. The other thing too was it was cool. Uh, we went to his house before the game on Wednesday. And uh, introduced Spencer and all that stuff. We did a quick little backyard tour of his house, of his uh, of his little man cave he's got back there. And he's got like this, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I mentioned it on Leafs Weekly, but there's like this jungle gym almost that he's got for his cat. Uh, and like the cat just hangs out in the backyard in this little jungle gym. And it's wild. It's, it's insane. I don't, yeah, I don't know that we didn't really have a place to put that in the dock you, you can catch a glimpse of it in the in, in the corner there at one point but uh yeah it's uh it's pretty funny it was pretty funny looking at that because we um when we were doing the tour i wish we could have found a way to put this in but uh when we were doing the tour john mentioned the cat and he's like yeah he's just chilling and all of a sudden the cat just like m- like growls at him basically like at the exact same time it was a hilarious visual so uh yeah that was that was pretty funny john salazzo confirmed cat he's a cat guy cat guy yeah cat guy we love it well wow we're we're excited for that that'll be like you said the full doc is coming out on friday but the trailer is out now so when this hits people's ears hopefully if not later today the 16th then you know tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. hopefully today yeah We'll then then people have a, a, a couple of either a day and a little bit or more than 12 hours, more than 24 hours to find the trailer. If you don't want to spoil anything, I mean, hey, just jump into the dock on Friday. <laughs> but the trailer's great. You guys did a really nice job. And like Thank we you. said, it's a, it is a great tale that exemplifies 
the working man's league of the IBL. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great it. shot in there too of John. Uh, there's a couple great shots. One of them is John running off the field to get to the shower so that he can get to work on time, and the other one is him in about the sixth or seventh inning, sitting on the bench with the fans on his phone, talking to his boss in full uniform. Just like, so, like these are things that you'll only see in the IBL. You won't find this anywhere else. Who was the MLB player who had the phone slip out of his pocket? Oh, it was the. Oh, he was running the uh, bases. Rodolfo Castro. For the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was on my fantasy team for about three days. <laughs> so was Jose Barrios. Thanks for that, by the way. Yikes. Um, yeah, let's not talk about that one. Yeah, I appreciate that. That Oof, was great. Uh, that's tough. So was Spencer Steer. You can thank oh, him for that one, I got too. him for yep. me, too. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, that was... When I, I win have, the league this year, I'm going to send a special thank you note to you. I don't have great projections. However, <laughs> I am only four and a half games back of first now. There you go. Now that the regular season matters, um, but I'm... Uh, I'm making moves, making moves. Speaking of making moves, the power rankings this week are going to be done a little bit differently. We're going to be doing them here on Inside Inner County, but instead of just ranking, because let's face it, I think we kind of see what we're going to see. This is this is it. Yeah. This is what these teams truly are. I'm again still kind of shooketh at Hamilton, um, just yeah, where they fell, fans. but. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, the way the cards fall, whatever awful analogy you want <laughs> to use. Get it? It's Cardinals. Yeah. I don't think you meant to do that, no, but I, I picked didn't. it up. Yep. See? Anyway. Not bad. And as a Cardinals fan, not just of the Hamilton variety, but of the St. Louis variety, Yikes. tough scenes. Tough scenes. So, Chris, we're going to do these power rankings a little bit differently this week. It's going to be in the likelihood that they will win the trophy likelihood of winning the playoffs it's a playoff preview exactly we are going to have a playoff preview show probably early next week absolutely once all the standing set up but that's going to be more of a series preview where we're going to preview all the different series and talk about who stands where and 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 kind of predict those series and how those are going to go this is more just uh the way i did these rankings is going to be based off of who i think has the best chance to lift the trophy so first place i think will be the favorite second place just behind them third place so on and so forth now, what's easier for you? Do you want to go in reverse order and kind of get the, I guess, least likely teams to win the trophy out of the way? Or do you want to go top to bottom because maybe the first one is obvious and then we can kind of get into the nitty gritty? Um, I don't know. I was thinking eight to one. Let's do eight to one. Sure. We've done eight to one all year. So let's 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 stick to well, let's, stick, let's to eight to stick to eight to one. Yeah. Folks, this week's power rankings. Just kidding. You thought I was going to hit you with an ad. I'm not hitting you with an ad. <laughs> we don't got that though. kind of money, though. But Amazon. I was just going to say, yep. Amazon did reach out to Inside Inner County and said, hey, we've noticed that Inside Inner County is making moves on other podcasting networks, and we want in on some of that. So, folks, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can find Inside Inner County on Amazon Podcasts, hopefully by the end of this week, if not early next week, which is perfect for playoff time. Yes. Yes, now, that's exciting. the power rankings. Also, before you continue, just on the power rankings, the reason they haven't gone up on the site is it's finals week. We are slammed with stuff. We barely have time to get this podcast in. Like, this is literally, this pocket was the only pocket we had all week True. to be able to put this together. Um, so things are very hectic. I haven't had time to put them up. And uh, so I don't want to leave people hanging with no rankings at all. So I figure, you know what, we'll just do them here live on the podcast. Also, shout out to Damian Lisi and Patrick Hannon, hosts of the Goalpost podcast. They graciously donated their podcasting time this afternoon to us. I don't know what their plan is, um, but you can check out the Goalpost podcast when you're not listening to Inside Inner County. Yeah, That's- hockey, football. Uh, Canadian Football League, NFL, NHL, all of that. That's that's the kind of stuff they talk about. Patrick Hannon and Damian Lisi. Great guys. Uh, yeah. Super knowledgeable. Out, outstanding. Beauties. Beauties. Huge beauties, if you will. Yeah. Tune into the goalpost pod. Wow. That's a perfect That's a perfect punch right there. Tim Haffey would be proud of that punch. Yep. yep. Damn. Yep. Wish Shout we could, out, Tim. Wish we could record that. Oh, we are. Bang. <laughs> all right. Well, number eight. Unfortunately, we start with a team that we've kind of been doing our best to give as much props to as we can all year they quadrupled 
their win total this year. So, I mean, if you talk about them like that, that's great. Uh, but that would be the Brantford Red Sox. They, in your mind, have the least likely chance of winning the playoffs. But you did mention that maybe we don't count them completely out yet. Right? Ish. Ah, uh, well, we've counted them out. Ish. Uh, again, these aren't based on where they stand right now. These are based on who has the best chance to lift the trophy at the end of the dance. Right. Keep in mind who Brantford will be having to dance with. That, well, yeah. So, the for those who aren't familiar with the IBL playoff uh, format, it's one versus eight, two versus seven. Everybody makes the playoffs. Um, first series is best of five. Second series is also best of five. And then the finals is a best of seven. The big thing here to keep in mind is that the league does reseed after every round. So, theoretically, Brantford will have to play the top seed every series if they were to win the championship. So, if it was bracketed, one versus eight would face the winner of four versus five. That's not the case. Brantford wins, they'll probably have to play the number two team, whether it's Kitchener or Barry. And then if they happen to win that series, they'll have to play the number three team that's left. So, they have the most difficult schedule. And the reason that I have them in last is, number one, as you mentioned, who they have to play in the first round, Welland. Going to be a really, really difficult matchup for them. Um, And while I think they could make that series semi-interesting, I just think Welland has way too much talent. And even if Brantford were to get past Welland, they would have to use all of their best pitchers an absorbent amount to get through that series, which would leave them with virtually no pitching for the second round where they might have to go up against an offensive juggernaut like Kitchener. So that's why I have them in eighth. I just don't see a way that they could that they could lift the trophy. It's a bummer. Yeah. Because we really wanted them to get out of the basement. It's been a better season, obviously, than last. It's been an improvement. But even with that improvement, eight wins in a season just it's not good enough, right? Like it's no. it's gotta get better. Yeah, you can't be expected to I guess make noise whether it's playoffs or whether it's regular season with only eight wins, the next closest team are five wins ahead of them, and five games is a lot. And five wins is a lot when you look at you look at their standings. Gosh, their away record was just so abysmal. Yeah. Two and 16. I feel so bad for the. They must have gotten on that bus and just... It must have been hard. Either that or they're all driving separately. Well, I think they are all driving separately. They're one of the few teams left in the league that doesn't have a bus anywhere. Whoa, so, whoa. Yeah. Okay, we need to we need to fix that. Maybe yeah. that's why they're 8 and 29 because well, there's no vibes. Well, remember uh remember when I told you about Now, okay, here's what I will say is that Toronto also drives everywhere. They don't they don't bus. Buses aren't a staple necessarily of the league. Welland, for example, has a bus to every game. London has a bus to every away game. Uh, Kitchener has a bus to, I think, Welland and Barry, maybe London. Um, are these the teams that are making the most money in the league? Some of them. Uh, like, Welland is probably making the most amount of money in the league. and Definitely fair. Yeah, so they can afford to do it. It does give them an advantage, right? But that's just kind of the way it falls. I'm not, like, again, when I played in Hamilton, I drove everywhere. We took the bus, I think, twice ever. Um, and it was in the playoffs when we faced Barry. So, uh Hamilton, I know, has a bus to a couple of games. But, yeah, it is pretty common that teams will will drive them, or players will drive themselves to many places. Like, for example, our friend the Rabid Wolverine, Chris Boato, he drives to most of the games because he's from Toronto, right? So, what, he's not going to drive to Burlington to get picked up by the bus to go play at Christie Pitts. He could just take the subway. Um, Unreal. Or He's to, in Toronto? Why haven't we had him here on the pod? We Yeah, you know what? We should. Yeah. Uh, Yo, I could get him on the pod. Yo, Boato, what are you doing, bro? Pick Honestly, up. no, no, no. It's my fault. It's my fault because he keeps saying it, and I keep forgetting to ask him. All right, well then, um, I rescind my. What are you doing, bro? Yeah, no, it's my fault. Blame bro, Auto. Yeah, Bro, Auto. Is that uh, a new one? That no, I hate it. I hated that. I one. hate it. I apologize. We're going yeah. back to the rabid Wolverine. Uh, the London Majors aren't very much high up on your list. In fact, they are the uh, number seven on your power rankings. But that's because they're going up against. Essentially, uh, six through eight and one through three. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they're up against some juggernauts here. So, projectedly, it could be Kitchener. It could be Barry. It's one of those two teams. It's going to be one of those two teams. Either way, the London Majors are going to, in my opinion, rely heavily 
on their starting pitching. In well, their to... starting pitcher. Yeah. Owen oh, Boone. Um, just him, eh? Just Booner. Booner's the reason. Can he start all three? <laughs> they wish. Oh. Uh, he's the only reason that I think London has an outside chance to make any noise whatsoever. I just don't like they can't hit. Like they're not a very good offensive team. Uh, Deolio's been pretty good, but besides Deolio, they just haven't had any consistency um, in their lineup. Obviously, you expect uh, Rambo, Byron, Reichstein to have a good series in the playoffs. He always shows up come playoff time, but besides those two, their offense just doesn't give them anything. And yeah, they're third last in runs scored this year. Yeah, and Owen Boone's outstanding, and they're gonna push him in the playoffs. Like, don't be surprised if he has a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty pitch outing, but. If they go up against a team like Kitchener, they actually like. If they go up against a team like Kitchener, they might have a, 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 an outside chance to shock people. But uh, like, if they play Barry Owen Boone's matched up with Frank Garces, and if he loses to Frank Garces, they're in trouble. Like, they have to win Owen Boone starts. Um, again, the reason they're seventh is because I think Boone can make a first round series interesting. But if you use Owen Boone as much as they're probably going to have to. He's going to be either damaged goods come the semifinals, or, um, or out of commission, or he's just going to. They're going to have to use him later in the series, right? He'll have to pitch like game three, and then maybe come out of the bullpen in game five, right? You're not going to get two starts out of Boone in a semifinal series, and if Boone's not starting two games in a series for you, I think London's going to have a really hard chance, hard time, winning a championship. Yeah, as much as I think Boone is a beauty. If unless he unless they somehow turn him into Shohei Otani, he and he's gonna just start hitting bombs and, and racking up, you know, base hits for them too. They definitely seem to be I guess, yeah, in a bit of a pickle. Their run differential is not too bad. Um, but at you know, like we said, they've only scored, you know, two hundred and fifty five runs this year in comparison to geez, like a team like the Maple Leafs, who granted after scoring a handful of touchdowns in their last few games, their runs scored have certainly surged beyond maybe what their projected should be. But nonetheless, we'll get there in a moment. Hamilton, staying at six, not just in the standings, but in your power rankings. And a team that I keep talking about this episode is one that has shocked me as just not the team that I thought they were. I definitely rated them a lot higher I ranked them a lot higher. I thought that that Cardinal logo was, you know, the, the the muscles in there were the muscles for real. I thought they were the muscle this year, and unfortunately, uh, it's turning out to be the opposite. I didn't put any money down on them, so I didn't jinx it. So everybody calm down right away. It wasn't me. But, Chris, you think that their matchup against Barry means that it's Barry's, uh, it, it, you know, it's Barry's series to win? Yeah, whether it's Barry or Kitchener, I have a hard time seeing Hamilton winning that series. I think one of the reasons that they've struggled is because Logan Walters, who's their ace, has been hurt for a while. Um, and it's really tough to win in this league when your number one guy goes down. And, uh, yeah, so I think the reason I have them above London is I think they have more pitching depth, uh, a little bit more pitching depth. They also have Tyler Duncan, who's an MVP candidate. Uh, Luis Bernardo's had a good season. Clayton Keyes, I don't know what's going on with him. I think he's still hurt. Uh, so they do have pieces that could make it interesting and they could win a playoff series. Like I actually think if they match up with Barry, it's a really, really interesting series. If Logan Walters is there, I think if he's not, they're going to be SOL, but, um, if he's there, I think he can make things really interesting. If they get through that first round series, that second round series might be against Welland. But again, if let's say London were to upset, uh, Kitchener, they wouldn't have to play well in, in the first round. So if something like that were to happen, there is a chance that Hamilton could find a way to get to the finals. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, when like when you look at the five teams ahead of them, it's really hard to put them ahead of any of those five teams when it comes to uh, championship odds, so to speak. Well, they're trending in the right direction with a win in their last game, but with a 2-8 and eight record in their last 10. Yeah, shout out to... On- Shout out to my buddy Aiden Muir, by the way. Aiden Muir, uh, he a uh, friend of mine from last year with uh, with Hamilton. He has been a trooper all season, hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, uh, had to come in yesterday and catch, 
because they needed Luis Bernardo to pitch because they were short on arms this weekend. Um, and Aiden Muir, who is not known for his bat at all, he'll be the first one to tell you he's not a great hitter. He gets the walk-off hit for the Hamilton Cardinals yesterday. Just a great moment. And I was talking to Dean Castelli on the phone, actually, the other day, the manager, and he was telling me how happy he is for him. And I felt the exact same way. So shout-out Aiden Muir. Those are the kind of moments. And that and that's that's one of those things where you see a guy who shows up to every game, who does all the right things, catches bullpens, doesn't complain. He's not a complainer. And finally gets his moment, right? Like, that's his moment that he'll have for the rest of the season. Um, and so that was just, that was great to see that he was able to do that. So shout out Aiden Muir. Aiden Muir, our inaugural inside Inner County player of the episode. <laughs> How's that? Maybe we'll yeah, start sure we to do that. that. Yeah, we'll just yeah. go with that. But no, that's awesome. The stories like that, that's what we live for. Mm. We love stories like that. Speaking of good stories, I. I fear that if I say who might be next on your power rankings list, it might ignite something inside of them that we saw earlier this year, and it proved uh, to be one of the best things that you could have done for them. They're going to be so happy when they hear this. Like, in like in a way that doesn't make them happy. You know what I mean? I know. Like, kind of like the average thing did. Mm-hmm. So, for anyone who, who can't figure out... If you haven't put about. one and one together, yeah. or two and two, it's it's Barry. Barry coming in at number five on your power rankings list. What are you doing? <laughs> I had a feeling I might get that reaction. So, this might just be big-braining it. I might be galaxy-braining this whole thing. Um, But again, remember, these aren't the power rankings for where these teams stand now. This is who has the best chance to win a championship, right? And I think to win a championship, you need depth. And Barry has lost their depth. They don't have that depth anymore. They're down to their third catcher at this point. Tyler Plumpton was supposed to be their backup. He broke his leg. Yep. Josh Cote was their starter. He had an outstanding season. He's back at school. Noel McGarry-Doyle, outfielder, one of their better hitters. He's gone. He's going back to school. Their college arms have all left. So they they are a young team who was built essentially for that regular season. And they're going to be asking Frank Garces to do a whole heck of a lot come playoff time. Here's the problem. They go up against a team like Hamilton. Frank's going to start game one. I think Hamilton's good enough to take at least one game, maybe two, from Barry. Hell, they, they could upset them. Who knows? They did it last year. They upset Guelph last year. And this matchup is awfully, awfully similar to Hamilton's matchup with Guelph from a season ago. How was Guelph built last year? Claudio Custodio at the front of the rotation. And then that's it. They didn't have much else behind them. Their lineup. They had Sean Riley in the middle of the order. They had Dalton Pompey near the top. And Yo, shout out of, Dalton Pompey. Yeah, Hamilton police officer. You know, he was in the booth the other day with, uh, with Neil. No or way. with Neil and, uh, and Reed. No way. Yeah. Yeah, he was at the, the Hamilton Cardinal game. Uh, they were playing Guelph, and he was there to see some old buddies, and he uh, he hopped in the booth. So, yeah, shout-out Dalton Pompey. He was just on CBC recently, too, doing a story about the converted – or not maybe not recently, but he, there was a story out of him being, you know, the converted MLB mm-hmm. or turned cop, and it's a it's a great story. Yeah, and he uh, he was also at the Jose Bautista uh, dinner. What a guy. In uh, in Toronto. So And low-key, I love seeing his uh, name come across the, oh, Dalton Pompey liked his six-buzz yeah, video? That's he's, hilarious. He's he's <laughs> he's one of those guys, though, right? Like, you know, like 10 years from now, you're going to sit there and you're going to hear the name Dalton Pompey, and you'll always remember him for that 2015 playoff run. Yes. When he stole all those bases. Yes. And, like, he's one of those guys where he's not the first guy you think of, but he's a guy like, oh, yeah, remember Dalton Pompey and what he did for the Jays in 2015? Like, he's one of those guys. You remember Ryan Goins pitching in the 18th inning of whatever game? I do remember that, and then he got hurt and he went on the It IL. was immediate. Yep. They didn't even wait for the game to finish. Mm-hmm. He walked off the field, and I got the notification. <laughs> DL. I was like, whoa. Anyway, uh, I digress. You're saying Barry, number five because of lack of depth. Lack of, lack of depth. And and you, you look at the way their order, uh, their lineup is built now without – the Josh Cotes of the world and the Nolan McGarry Doyles, it's not as deep as it once was, right? Like it's very middle. It's very they're they're going to be asking a lot of Ryan Rio, Starlin Rodriguez, those guys. Whereas, um, if they go up against the Hamilton, right? 
Hamilton might have a like their their lineup depth is just as deep, and they have more pitching. I'm not saying their pitching is better because Frank is better than anybody in that series, but they have more pitching than they have more guys they can go to than Barry does, and in a five game series, that can hurt you. And if Barry ends up in a long series with Hamilton and Frank has to pitch a winner take all game five or a game four to send them to the next round. Now they're going to be going up against Kitchener, most likely, in the second round. And Garces might only pitch one game in that series. And if Garces pitches only one game, and you're facing the number one or number two offense in the in the IBL, you're in trouble. And so that's, for those reasons, that's why I have Barry number five. I just don't think they're built to win at this time of the year. Well, now we start to move into the contenders, the serious ones. Maybe me just calling Barry not serious will spark them. Whoops. I think they're a contender. Like I think any of the top five teams could win it. But I just think out of those five teams, Barry has is built or isn't built as well for this time of the year as those other teams. I'll tell you right now, if we were doing power rankings, just flat out power rankings for where they're playing and where they're at right now, Barry's number three behind Kitchener and Welland. But going into the playoffs, I don't look at it that way. Fair enough. You do look at the Guelph Royals maybe making some moves and maybe having a favorable matchup against, and I guess we can maybe talk about three or four and three together because that would be the matchup. The the number four seed being the Toronto Maple Leafs and the number five seed being the Guelph Royals would be your first round playoff matchup. But you're, you're, you're saying... Well, not that I'm trying to spoil anything, but four and three on this week's power rankings based off of likelihood to win a championship. You are giving the advantage to Toronto, but maybe not by much. I, I'm i glad you actually put it that way because I can't really decide between three and four who is better built or whatever. Because I actually think that Guelph, their roster is built better to win in the playoffs than Toronto's is. But I will not be duped by Toronto again because they do this to us every year where it's like, ah, like you see them play in the regular season and it's like, ah, it's mid, you know, like they're mid. They floated between three and six in your, in the actual standing, sorry, all year. Well, they've been in four basically for the last month. Like they've just been sitting there just like, again, average as hell. Like, right. Like that's, that's how they've been in the regular, just average as hell. And, but again. I don't. It's not because I think they're at, they're just playing. This is what they do every year. They go like they win 21, 22, 23 games, and then in the playoffs they make it to the finals for no reason apparently. But uh, again, talking to talking to Salazzo and talking to guys around the Leafs, they are not worried about the postseason because they're like, eh, we do this happens every year. You know, we've never been a top seed, so <laughs> it's it is what it is. But, what do you think your um, game one pitching matchup is then between? Alvarado two. versus Custodio for think sure. Think they go Alvarado. Yeah, for sure. Alvarado's their best arm. He's a stud. Yeah, he's good. Uh, and I think Alvarado can keep them in that game. Custodio, I think, is better, but I think Alvarado can keep them in that game and give them a chance to win. The thing with Guelph and the reason I have them above Barry, we go back to depth. Now Guelph has one of the worst offenses in the league. They can't really hit, but. Their pitching staff is far deeper than people might realize. Their starting rotation is most likely going to be Claudio Custodio, Hector Jan, and Yuki Narita. Right? Three import arms. All three of those guys have been good this season. Custodio is obviously Custodio. We don't got to get into that. Hector Jan, left-hander, who, at his best, one of the best arms in the league. Excuse me. And he he's one of those guys where when he's on, he's on. When he's off... A, eh, uh, we'll we'll see, which is what concerns me about him. But 15 strikeouts in six innings against Hamilton, topped out at 95. Like that'll play. Oh, it'll play. Yeah, Yuki Narita has been consistent all season. Yomar Concepcion, numbers don't look great, but he is a workhorse. I saw him pitch in the playoffs in 2018. He, 20 yeah 2018 threw 177 pitches in a start, went 10 innings against Toronto. That's exceptional. That uh, uh, I hate that you did that. But it actually kind of worked. It kind of worked. I hate that it landed. Anyway. Um, you know what hasn't landed? That last John Salazzo bomb from your documentary. You know what's saw. funny? You'll hear, you'll hear in that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I should have said this as well earlier, but 
you'll hear in that documentary at one point someone asks him did you get an estimate on that bomb and he goes yeah like it was like 430 440 something like that the bomb he's talking about is the bomb you refer to where he almost killed a child on the far field uh but i digress yeah with with guelph and toronto i think again i think guelph is a little bit better built but toronto can just outslug you and they can just score more runs um and they would have the they would have home field, home field yes. which means granted, you got to win a game at the pits right and which is hard to do it can go both ways if any of toronto guys toronto's guys are not on their game that ball can carry out mm-hmm. just as easily for guelph as it could for guys like salazo but it feels like it never does that's the thing is like it feels like no the toronto guys have have honed in on how to hit for power at their park. Like, mm-hmm. they know exactly... Well, the pitchers just know how to keep the ball in the park better than that, other pitchers might, That, right? too. I think it's a familiarity of it, right? Having pitched there, like, if you're a guy that's pitched there all the time, you're not phased by it. It is an intimidation factor for away pitchers. I'll tell you that first firsthand experience. Well, we've heard about your um, experiences at the pits. Yeah, no, they not were the great. pits. Not great. There's they, a reason they call it the pits for a reason for you. Yeah, That's tough. Yeah, How's yeah. the arm, by the way? Better. I'm not throwing yet, but it's better. Getting there. Yeah. Again, I'll be back next year. Dude, we'll I'm see excited. how good it is. That'll be exciting. I'm excited, dude. You know how I've been getting the itch. I just had an idea. Oh. And you don't have to agree now. Okay. But maybe maybe I'll put it as a poll question on the episode. I'm so scared because we haven't talked about this. If you are for sure going to play next year, how would you feel about making your announcement here on Inside Inner County? Oh, that's a good idea. Like LeBron James style. <laughs> take my talents to South Beach. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my talents to, to Guelph. Yeah. Or wherever. Yeah. Not anyway, Brantford. I will not your... be playing for Brantford. That's so you can knock that off. Tough. Wow. Yeah. That breaking news, Kevin Weeks. I don't think it's really breaking news. That's tough. But anyway, keep that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that there's about two there's there's two teams right now that I'm leaning towards. But I love that. We will uh I love that. We will tease. get that on a, on a later Ooh, episode. That that gets me going. Yeah. Two teams. I might suck next year, so who knows? It might not even matter. Like I might throw twice, give up twelve runs, and just quit. But we'll be... see. <laughs> Chris is going to be back on Inside Inner County by third episode of next yeah. year. Hey guys, here's the first episode. I know it's week three and I'm in the league, but I'm not in the league anymore because I suck. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, you could you could be you know who doesn't suck, but who did we find out if uh, did we find mm. who we were looking for last? Oh my god, I can't even. What remember. are you talking about? I'm on. I'm on one right now because I just had like an intrusive thought from some other <laughs> thing just like pop into my head and then I just I think my brain just kind of flowed through that thought instead of the thought that I was on but now I've rambled on for so long that I can't remember the thought that I was on so I just have to move on. What are you talking about? Exactly. What <laughs> am I talking about? We've gone off the rails. Two teams that have no excuse to not make noise and probably have deep runs would be your number two and your number one the panthers and the jackfish what are you crediting the panthers success to and i mean welland is welland it's almost a it's almost a moot point Mm -hmm. but what are you crediting kitchener's success to even though we've discussed london a little bit earlier what is it about kitchener that that makes them your number two well, they rake. They um, do. They just hit the crap out of the baseball. They've scored the second most runs behind Toronto with uh, just one. one run less. Granted, Toronto's played two less games. but And Toronto um, is also... Have they? Oh, yeah, they have. Yeah. But I will say, there is something to be said about the friendly confines of Jack Couch and the not-so-friendly confines of Jack Couch for visiting teams. Um, they're 13-6 and six at home. Uh, one of the... They're actually the sec- tied for the second-best home record in the IBL with Barry and Toronto as well. Um, so they've been outstanding at home, and that's really what the best teams in this league do is they win at home. And their pitching's been more than adequate. Uh, Christian Hauk's had a great season. Uh, their import arms have been good. Uh, and they're getting contributions in the bullpen from guys that have have been around the league and guys that also haven't. 
in uh, guys like Jordan Bonnock, who closed out the game against Welland, was really good. He's been good recently. Uh, Brady Schnarr, who is having an outstanding season as their closer. Uh, and then some of their other pieces, who aren't necessarily the, the greatest pitchers in the world, but they've gotten some contributions from a guy like Brett Reed. They've gotten some contributions from a guy like Adam Robertson. And, again, they've just pieced it together uh, on, on the mound, right? And I think their offense is good enough to carry them for a majority of this, but they're going to need one or two of their arms to really, really step up. And I think Christian Houck has that experience. He's done it before. He's pitched in finals games in the past with Kitchener. Um, their Cubans are also very good. They have a Cuban uh, catcher who has a lot of experience who will definitely keep their pitchers in line and give them a good game plan to succeed. So I really like their chances to win the championship. Again, the reason I have them ahead of uh, Toronto and Guelph and things like that is because I just think their lineup is so incredibly deep. Again, they're going to miss Blake Jacklin at the top of that order. That that really sucks that he can't be here for the postseason. But besides him, they've got everybody else. So, uh, yeah, for them it's just continuing to to play well. And the other thing we got to remember, they're 4-2 and two against Welland this year. They're the only team with a winning record against the Welland Jackfish. So if anybody can knock them off, it's the Kitchener Panthers. That would be an exciting one. That would be a fun series. And final thoughts on the Jackfish. Yeah, they should win it. I mean, they're they're they have the most talent, they have the most depth. They don't have any excuses. Uh the formula we saw from them this week is a brand of baseball that we haven't seen from them against these top teams really all season. Uh against Barry, again, just chipping away, just finding ways to put across runs and then put them away late. Um when some of that when the underbelly of that bullpen comes into the game. Uh their starting pitching has been really good. Their relievers have been really good. Obviously, Davey Mendez is a menace at the back of that bullpen. And really, they, again, they have no excuse. They should win it. The The matchup, I will tell you right now, that semifinals matchup against either Toronto or Guelph, had, if they happen to have to play one of those two, very, very interesting matchup because Guelph's arms are capable of shutting down the best offenses. Toronto beat Welland last year in the playoffs. Even Barry. Barry's had success with Welland in the playoffs over the years. Kitchener, 4-2 and two against them this season. So there are teams that can knock off the Jackfish. So it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be something where they show up to the field and they just rinse everybody. Granted, they should sweep Brantford fairly handily. Um, but for them, their biggest opponent is going to be themselves. And those... those I guess, for lack of a better term, those demons inside their heads that, um, whether it's from playoffs past, whether it's from uh, Kitchener in the regular season, whether it's Barry and Frank Garces um, or whatever, that's going to be their biggest biggest obstacle is themselves. So they should win it. They are the favorites to win it. But it's not going to be a walk in the park for them, and they're going to have to play good baseball throughout the postseason, and they're going to have to put together their best three weeks of ball all year in the postseason. I'm excited. It should be good. It's actually going to be really interesting. Like, the last couple of years have been, eh, like, in 2021, the the COVID season, the shortened season, um, everyone kind of knew it was going to be London and Toronto. Like, that was, that was the thing, right? Toronto had one of the best lineups we've ever seen in this league, and London was the number one seed. They had really strong pitching last year Welland people pretty much had an idea once they were the one seed that they were going to go through Toronto and and Welland that was an interesting matchup for us um again things things bounced their way in that series and they were able to take it but this year like it's it's wide open Hamilton Barry if that ends up being that series interesting series Toronto Guelph if that ends up being if Guelph falls to six and ends up playing Barry that's a really, really interesting series. Um, Toronto, again, don't ever count them out. They are a problem once the, the calendar turns to the playoffs. Kitchener coming out of nowhere this season, really, and just finding their way to the top of the standings. The Welland Jackfish, favorites all year. Are they gonna are, are they gonna be able to maintain that? So like it's a really fascinating postseason. And in a best of five series, anything can happen. You just gotta have things go against you twice, and all of a sudden the series is over. 
We learned that the hard way in the semis last year. Oh, man, I wonder who's going to have to learn it the hard way this year. Somebody will. Somebody always does. Somebody going to get a hurt real bad. All right, Russell Peters. Relax. Shout out Russell Peters. Well, folks, I can't believe we did this in under an hour, but somehow we did. If you aren't following us on Twitter already, I highly recommend you follow us at Inside IBL Pod. We're going to be putting links out there. the The documentary and trailer links are out there. Or the sorry, the trailer link is out there right now. You can also find that on the Toronto Maple Leafs IBL page. They posted that yesterday. Look for that documentary to drop Friday. Chris, where can people find that documentary on Friday? Toronto Maple Leafs YouTube page. The Toronto Maple Leafs YouTube page. We will also be retweeting and and Chris is going to have it on his on his Twitter at Chris underscore Laser. That's L A Z E R eight. The The number number eight. Chris underscore Laser eight. I'll share it on my socials as well. Even though I had no involvement with this, I'm just here (laughs) to talk it up, and and I'm glad that the homies all got an opportunity to shed some light on an exciting athlete and an exciting story. But you can find me at Stewitz A, S-T-U-E-T-Z, and the letter A. Folks, that does it for myself, the stuntman, Andrew Stewitz, and the laser beam, Chris Lazar. We will talk to you next week on Inside Inner County. Ciao for now.